Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. podcast with me Carly. Hope you are all well witches. On today's episode we're going to be talking all about the Benevento witches and the magical properties of the walnut tree. But to kick things off today our book review is Belladonna by Adeline Grace. So I had this fiction book on my to read list for a little while And I managed to get it once again through the library. The wonderful library comes through again. Firstly, the book's name and cover enchanted me. The copy I borrowed is a beautiful mauve-coloured hardback. It has two beautiful birds with the belladonna plant illustrated on the front. And one bird is in the living world, one in the underworld, which lends to the story's theme and our main character, Signa's nickname, Little Bird. Here is the book's blurb. For as long as Signa Farrow has been alive, the people in her life have fallen like stars. Orphaned as a baby, 19-year-old Signa has been raised by a string of guardians each more interested in her wealth than her well-being, and each has met an untimely end. Her remaining relatives are the elusive Hawthorns, an eccentric family living at Fawn Grove, an estate both glittering and gloomy. Its patriarch mourns his late wife through wild parties, while his son grapples for control of the family's waning reputation and his daughter suffers from a mysterious illness. But when their mother's restless spirit appears claiming she was poisoned, Signa realises that the family she depends on could be in grave danger and enlists the help of a surly stable boy to hunt down the killer. Signa's best chance of uncovering the murderer, though, is an alliance with Death himself, a fascinating, dangerous shadow who has never been far from her side. Though he's made her life a living hell, death shows Signa that their growing connection may be more powerful and more irresistible than she ever dared imagine. This book is everything I could have hoped for, especially for this time of year. Gothic, macabre themes, a headstrong, witchy lead character in Signa terrifying ghosts, a murder mystery, a hot steamy romance, poisonous plants and all of this set in a huge gothic mansion. 
I haven't read a book with a murder mystery or romance in it for ages. And to have the two combined, this did not disappoint on that front. The romance at one point was steamy with a capital S. I mean, I was living vicariously through Signa. The romance, it was beautiful. I personally am not a gal for romance novels, but the romance between Signa and her love was completely unexpected and so beautiful. I am desperately dramatic when it comes to anything I enjoy romantically if I am going to get into it. So if it's like a book, a film or so on. And in an age of Tinder, I am still holding out for Bram Stoker's Dracula level chat up lines like, I have crossed oceans of time to find you, not things like, what are you up to and so on. Only because I've, I feel I can match that sort of energy. I'm like really certain about this. But I clearly, I don't think I'm for this century when it comes to dating, I swear. Anyway, <laughs> if they're not like Gomez Adams, I will just remain a spinster for the rest of my life. And I'm cool with it. I, I really, really am, honestly. Anyway, I adored reading the exchanges between death and Sigma. I loved the concept of death as a person. Some of the quotes in relation to death were truly beautiful. And if death is a person, I would really like to think he's just like the character in this book. The only criticism I have of this book is I felt the plot with the murder got a little bit patchy. It didn't necessarily work in my mind very well, but I was already satisfied with the other elements of the story, so I didn't mind so much. There are lots of things happening in the book. However, it's not overwhelming. It keeps you hooked and you are able to keep up easily. A perfect, cosy autumn read. I will definitely be checking out the follow-up book to Belladonna. Join me after the break to hear all about the Benevento witches and the magic of the walnut tree. Welcome back. The town of Benevento in southern Italy has for centuries held association with witches. A specific type of witch they referred to as La Genera. Villagers would be suspicious of most of the women within the area, should they too be part of this secret witch coven, who by night were said to flock to the local walnut tree apply a special ointment onto their skin and recite a specific incantation. Once they had spoken this incantation and applied the ointment, they would shapeshift into invisible spirits. This gave them the ability to access the homes of villagers through the gaps under doors that they would pass through like the breeze. Should they so wish, it was said that they could cause harm to their intended whilst they were asleep. 
And if they visited you once, they would surely visit again. For a single visit from La Genera was never enough for them. So the villagers would sprinkle salt at their front doors to ward them off. Should you feel their icy cold touch upon your face, this was said to be the hand of La Genera. So let's look into the real story of the witches of Benevento. Benevento is best known as the Italian town of the witches. In the first century BC, the Romans conquered the area and changed its original name of Maleventum, meaning bad event, to Beneventum, meaning good event. The area had a crossroads and the city stood where the Appian Way forked and the Sabato and Calor rivers joined. In the 4th century BC, ancient colonists of Magna Graecia introduced the orgiastic worship of Sibley. For a brief period, so that means that lots of orgies were part of the worship. For a brief period during Roman times, the cult of Isis, Egyptian goddess of the moon, proliferated in Benevento. The Emperor Domitian had a temple erected in her honour and Isis became a form of Trinity, so she became identified with Hecate, goddess of the underworld, and Diana, goddess of the hunt, and all three deities had links to magic. During the Renaissance period, some of the most famous witches resided close to Benevento. Some names I came across were Violante de Pontecorvo, Sorceress Menandra, and a Sorceress Alcina, who lived about four miles away from Benevento in a small village called Pietra Porcina, meaning Little Stone. Boyarona is another famous witch who lived nearby. In legend, she was said to have chained another witch, Giacona, along with some demons to the infamous walnut tree. Giacona was a witch known for having many beautiful apprentices, whom she educated on how to use flying ointments on their bodies. It was said that the witches met at night between Saturday and Sunday around a big walnut tree, where they would hold their sabbath. This walnut tree was said to be in leaf all year round. The tree was so huge and its branches so thick with leaves that the shade was like night itself. The tree's walnuts were said to differ and have an almost pyramid-like shape. These were often sold as talismans and amulets. Raven Gramassi wrote of the walnut tree of Benevento being sacred to Proserpine, Nox, Diana and all Chthonic deities. The witches of Benevento were a very powerful society of witches and through their dedication the old religion survived intact during and after the Inquisition. Raven Gramassi writes that his mother believes the tree to still be there at Stretta de Barba in Benevento near the river, that witches still gather there in secret, and that once upon a time it was the sanctuary of the followers of Aradia, goddess of the moon and queen of the witches. 
A mode of transport for the witches would either be transforming themselves into invisible spirits after using their ointment and words. This ointment would help to lift the witch into the air as well as make them invisible, supposedly. Another transportation method was for the witch to steal a horse. The villagers would often find the horse in the stables at dawn, sweating profusely after being ridden all night, and they would often leave the horse with their hair braided. Alternatively, it was said the witch would travel on a broomstick made of sorghum, a flowering plant that was used for bristles for brooms. And the witch's preferred night for flying was said to be on those stormy nights. Should the witch enter your home under the door, it was said that they could cause miscarriage or malformations in newborns. If you were sleeping as the witch entered, it is said you could feel them as a gust of wind and you would feel a sense of oppression on your chest. The source of the name Janara is said to be dialect meaning door. However, a more plausible theory is linking the name to Diana, the priestesses of the goddess Diana were named Diana. Witches throughout the day would supposedly blend in with all the other villagers, yet by night they would anoint themselves with this flying ointment by applying it to their breasts or their underarms before speaking the magical incantation. Unguent, unguent, carry me to the walnut tree of Benevento, above the water and above the wind, and above all other bad weather. Charles Leyland, in his book of Etruscan Magic and Occult Remedies, writes of the witches being known for their healing abilities and also dispensing coins to the poor. The chief physician of Benevento, Pietro Piperno, in his essay on the superstitious walnut tree of Benevento, from 1639, traced the roots of the witch legend back to the 7th century. At that time, Benevento was the capital of a Lombard duchy. The invaders, although formally converted to Catholicism, did not renounce their traditional pagan religion. Under Duke Romard I, they worshipped a golden viper, perhaps winged or with two heads, which probably had some connection with the cult of Isis, since the goddess was able to control serpents. They began to develop a singular rite near the Sabato River, which the Lombards celebrated in honour of Wotan, father of the gods, more commonly known to us as Odin. The hide of a goat was hung on a sacred tree. The warriors earned the favour of the god by rushing frantically around the tree on horseback and striking the hide with their lances, with the intent of tearing off shreds, which they then ate. In this ritual, we can recognise the practice of Dias Paragmos, the god sacrificed and torn to pieces, which became the ritual meal of the devotees. The Christians of Benevento would have connected these frenzied rites with their already existing beliefs about witches. 
In their eyes, the women and the warriors were witches, the goat was the incarnation of the devil, and the cries were orgiastic rites. A priest named Saint Barbatus of Benevento outright accused the Lombard rulers of idolatry. According to the legend, when Benevento was besieged by forces of the Byzantine Emperor Constance II in 663, Duke Grimald promised Barbatus to renounce paganism if the city and the duchy were saved. Constance withdrew, according to the legend, by divine grace, and Rommeld made Barbatus the Bishop of Benevento. St. Barbatus cut down the sacred tree and tore out its roots, and on that spot he had a church built. Romald continued to worship the golden viper in private until his wife handed it over to St. Barbatus, who melted it down to make a chalice for the Eucharist. This legend is incompatible with the historical facts. For example, the Duke of Benevento was somebody else in this time period. Romald would not succeed his predecessor until a bit later on. Nevertheless, I think we're more interested in the witches, or at least I certainly am. The meetings under the walnut tree, one of the main features of the witch legend, therefore very probably came from these Lombard customs. Nevertheless, they can also be found in the practices of the cult of Artemis, the Greek goddess who can in part be assimilated to Isis, and these were carried out in the Anatolian region of Caria. For hundreds of years after the walnut tree was uprooted, legend had it that the tree reappeared on nights of the witches' sabbaths. The tree of Benevento inspired many writers, artists and musicians. I will link in the show notes an image for the witches' dance, a piece of music composed by Paganini. In the image, you can see witches dancing around a walnut tree. And one of the folk names for the walnut tree is the devil's tree, which kind of ties in with this particular story in regards to Paganini. I've always loved stories about musicians because music is really important to me. I come from a very musical household. My mum brought us up on the early albums of The Prodigy, Bob Marley, my dad brought us up on like blues, Mozart. Anyway, also my brother is a music producer, sound engineer, DJ. He actually created the theme tune for the podcast, which is called White Moon Garden. It was already a song that he had released and I cheekily asked him if I could use it for the show. It just felt so poignant. So I'll link in the show notes. If you ever want to listen to this piece of music, which is the theme tune for the podcast, a lady emailed me recently to ask what the song was. So that's who it's by anyway. But I'll put it in the show notes. Anyway, I'm going to stop waffling. So when I was a kid, we used to like watch the film Amadeus. I think my mum and dad like fast forwarded over any unsuitable bits. But it really stuck with me, that story of how Mozart was so successful, so talented, had all those riches, 
then went to a pauper's grave. Just so tragic, but fascinating. Such a genius. Also, the story of Robert Johnson, who was, of course, said to have sold his soul to the devil to become one of the most famous blues performers. So, of course, when I heard this tale of Paganini, I really felt compelled to retell it. Paganini was a talented violinist and composer, a striking man with hollow cheeks, pale skin and thin lips. He was very tall and thin and often dressed in black. Sounds just like my dating type. (laughs) He also had very long, thin fingers and without the restriction of performing with sheet music, he flailed about on stage, earning him the nickname Rubberman. It's now believed that Paganini's unusual finger length, which allowed him to play three octaves in one hand span, was due to Marfan syndrome, a genetic disorder. Equally, his ability to play at incredible speed could be attributed to Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, a disorder which causes increased flexibility and a lack of coordination. So the violin was also regarded by some as the devil's instrument. So all in all, it's not surprising that rumours about a deal with the devil started circulating. Some even thought Paganini could be the devil himself. Some believed his mother had sold his soul to the devil so he could become a great violinist. Other rumours were that he had murdered a woman in trapping her soul in his violin and stringing his magical instruments using strings made from her intestines. His talent was regarded as being beyond the earthly realm. One of the first rumours came out following a concert in Vienna where an audience member said they thought they had seen the devil helping Paganini play. People soon began claiming to have seen doppelgangers of Paganini with horns and hooves. I guess it's like that little clip of Beyonce and everybody says that when she's dancing it looks like she shifts into like a demon look it up anyway but it was even said that the devil once made lightning strike at the end of Paganini's bow during a performance. So on the sad side Paganini was sickly for much of his later life. He contracted syphilis in 1822 which was treated with mercury leading to further health problems. In 1834, he caught tuberculosis and recovered shortly after. But later that year, he found himself getting weaker and he decided to retire from public performance, aged at 54. And he spent his last years teaching the violin. Paganini died of larynx cancer on 27th of May, 1840 in Nice, France. Before his death, he turned away a priest, offering him last rites the final prayers Catholics receive at the end of their lives. Paganini said he turned the priest away because he thought he wasn't going to die, but those who believed he was in league with the devil didn't buy this explanation. A week later, Paganini died without receiving the last rites and his local church refused to bury his body on consecrated ground. 
Over the next four years, his corpse would be transported on an extraordinary tour of Europe. His embalmed body was left on his deathbed in Nice for two months before it was transferred to the cellar of the house, where it remained for over a year. After his local church refused to bury him, his body was later taken to an abandoned leper house before being moved to a cement vat in an olive oil factory and later to a private house near Nice. Almost four years after his death, Pope Gregory XVI allowed the violinist's body to be transported to Genoa and he was finally laid to rest in La Villetta Cemetery in Parma, Italy, some 200 kilometres from his birthplace in Genoa. So I thought we could have a look at the walnut, some of its magical association, and it has many links to witches. Its Latin name is Juglans Regia, and some of its folk names are the Nut of Jupiter, Food of the Gods, Foreign Nut, and Tree of the Devil. Its element is fire. It has a masculine energy. It is linked to Jupiter and the sun, linked to zodiac signs Leo, Gemini, and Virgo. Deities that it is linked to are Juno, Jupiter, Zeus, Aphrodite, Astarte, Thor, Artemis, Persephone and Pomona. Its magical themes are resilience, fertility, abundance, protection, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, prosperity, marriage, love, money, change, healing, inspiration, intentions, wealth, health, healing and mother goddess alignment. When the gods walked upon the earth, they were said to live on walnuts. They were given the name food of the gods and associated with many deities, said to be the oldest tree food dating back to around 7000 BC. Alexander the Great is credited with introducing the walnut to ancient Greece. Romans then brought it to Europe and North Africa. China then discovered the walnut via the Silk Road and English colonists were said to have brought it to the Americas in the 1600s. Its old English name is Wilnuto, meaning foreign nut or nut of the Roman lands. We'll never know if that's the correct pronunciation because I can't find it anywhere on the internet, but we'll go with that. The walnut predominantly links to Jupiter. The walnut's Latin name is... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, 
and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Juglans regia. So Juglans comes from Jovis glans, which translates as nut of Jupiter, and regia means regal. Jupiter, a sky god, was the principal chief deity of the Roman religion in ancient times. The Romans considered Jupiter the equivalent of the Greek god Zeus, both being sky gods. The Romans also associated the walnut with the goddess Juno, wife of Jupiter, goddess of women and marriage. This association led to the marriage ritual of walnuts being strewn at Roman wedding ceremonies, much like we would today with confetti. I think that's far more fun, like yeeting walnuts at brides and grooms as they have finished their marriage ceremony. (laughs) The walnut was considered a symbol of fertility. It was hoped that the walnuts would encourage a quick and healthy pregnancy for the newlywed couple. Women would often carry walnuts as a fertility charm. In Germany, it was custom for the groom to plant a specific number of walnut trees before the wedding ceremony could take place. An old marriage tradition was for the walnut to be separated into two halves and placed into the marriage bed before the marriage was consummated. The two nut halves would after be placed back together, cracked and eaten by the couple to assure their fertility. Imagine consummating your marriage in a bed with like peanut dust, not peanut dust, walnut dust. I'm thinking of the guy on People Just Do Nothing and he sells bags of peanut dust. I love that guy. I can't remember his name. But anyway, if you know, you know. In Romania, a bride wishing to still having a child too soon would place roasted walnuts into the bosom of her wedding dress. Each walnut represented a year she wished to remain without child. Following the wedding, the bride would bury the walnuts. In Poitou, France, a custom is for the bride and groom to dance around a huge walnut tree in the city because the locals believe that through carrying out this ritual, the bride was produced an abundance of milk for her future baby. The link between the walnut and fertility traces back to ancient Greece, where the sheer volume of nuts the walnut tree could provide ensured they would be symbolic of fertility. As a love divination ritual upon All Hallows' Eve, so this is coming up soon if you want to have a go, it was customary at midnight to walk three times around a walnut tree, then look up through the branches and request out loud for some of the tree's walnuts. Please, sir, can I have some of your walnuts? At this moment, it was said that the face of your true love would appear to you. At Michaelmas in Belgium, they would perform a marriage divination where they took some walnuts, emptied them of their nuts and put the shells back together. These would be added to the same amount of whole nuts. A girl would be blindfolded and select a nut. Should she pick a full nut, she would be blessed by St Michael with an approaching happy marriage. 
Due to their association with the gods, the walnut has much association with abundance, prosperity and wealth. Lending to this theme, the Romans would often bury coins under walnut trees as an offering to the Roman goddess of fruit trees, Pomona. In Greek mythology, in the story of Kaya, the walnut appears. Dionysus was in love with Kaya and upon her death transformed her into a walnut tree. Artemis brings news to Kaya's father of her passing and commands a temple be built in her honour. The columns of the temple are sculpted in wood in the form of young women called katayids or nymphs of the walnut tree. The ancient Greeks also associated the walnut tree with Persephone, queen of the underworld. The walnut tree was associated with sorrow and misfortune for those who did not use discernment to determine what is of benefit and what isn't. So walnut connects to Jupiter's associations of being led astray. That should you place too much importance on material wealth, it can detrimentally affect other parts of your life or see you losing it all. Jupiter's blessings require balance alongside spirituality and awareness of what is best for all concerned. A reminder for us to rely on our intelligence, wisdom, knowledge and inspiration. A key theme of the walnut and its association with the brain due to the inner nuts similar appearance. So as we know, the walnut tree holds much association with witches, but not just in Italy. An old superstition being that if a walnut drops into the lap or is placed under the chair of a suspected seated witch, she would be unable to rise from the chair for the duration of the walnut remaining there and would of course give away that she is a witch. In Germany, the black walnut tree was considered particularly sinister. Belief was that witches would gather underneath them when the weather was foul. Walnuts were considered lucky when it came to love and abundance charms, however, but the walnut tree throughout Europe overall generally was considered cursed. In Italy, it was said that on Midsummer's Eve, witches would sleep under the walnut tree whilst demons danced in the tree's branches. It was said that amidst the shade of the walnut tree, you could often hear the whispering and giggling of demons. In Somerset, the walnut tree was said to belong to the devil himself and not to be visited after dark. So another superstition relating to the walnut tree is that one shouldn't attempt to grow anything else near it for it contains evil or poison. The fallen leaves and husks of the walnut tree do contain a toxic chemical called juglone that acts as a natural herbicide. It is observed that other plants will very rarely grow in the walnut tree's shade, particularly with the black walnut, which of course lends to its sinister association. Insects were thought to dislike walnuts, so leaves would often historically be strewn around the home and stables to keep mites and fleas away. 
A solution made from walnut leaves would be sponged onto horses by coachmen to discourage insect problems. In Serbia, the English walnut tree has long been considered a portal to the underworld. Often planted within graveyards, the nuts are frequently used as offerings to the dead. Male witches in Serbia are said to perform magic under walnut trees. It is a tree connected to ancestral communication and the dead. Some even believe that a great horned spirit can be sighted at noon under the walnut tree. Walnut leaves have long been used and placed on graves in Serbia along with walnuts as an offering to deceased ancestors. Also placed around the home in each corner of a room during the Christmas period. Dreaming of a walnut tree is said to be an omen of misfortune or unfaithfulness. In Sussex, an old superstition was that sleeping under a walnut tree could incur damage to the mind or even death. In folklore in other regions, to sleep under a walnut tree could ensure you received prophetic dreams about who your future lover would be. However, it came with the risk of never awakening from such a deep slumber. In Italy, it was said that he who plants a walnut tree would die young, and that should a walnut tree die or be blown down, misfortune would soon follow. In various regions, it was superstition that to plant a black walnut tree in an orchard would kill off all the apple trees or bring them blight. Another superstition was that you should never bring black walnut wood or nuts to sea should it risk attracting storms. In Bavaria, walnut branches would be taken by each family to the churchyard upon Easter Sunday. Fires in the churchyard would be made from flint and steel. Part of the walnut branch would be burnt upon these fires before the family brought the branch home to the half of their home. The branch would be used as a protective charm to ensure the home would be protected from lightning during the forthcoming year. In France, on St John's Day, 24th of June, they would gather walnut leaves before sunrise and use them as amulets of protection against lightning. It was also custom in certain areas of France to jump thrice around the midsummer fire with a walnut branch before taking the charmed branch home to use for protection. In Italy, you could carry a walnut split into three segments as an amulet against the evil eye, witchcraft, lightning and fever. In various locations, to give someone a bag of walnuts meant all their wishes would come true across their lifetime. In the Encyclopedia of Superstitions, published in 1949, it documents walnut trees traditionally being beaten with a long stick once the harvest was complete. It was believed this would encourage a larger harvest for the year following. Should the walnut tree be beaten too hard, the walnut would stop producing nuts and the people would starve. This was considered a warning against greed, another nod to the walnut tree's message that obsessing over wealth and the pursuit of abundance can lead to ruin. 
Symbolically, the walnut tree links to spiritual endurance and the ability to overcome obstacles and weather hardships. This is mainly linked to the black walnut tree, which is a pioneer species, meaning they are the first to grow before other plants and trees following flooding or fire damage to an ecosystem. Should the walnut or walnut tree keep showing up for you, it signifies you need to make a big change in your life, relationship or career that you have been avoiding. This requires you to take steps necessary to grow into the person you are destined to be. Walnut shells symbolise good things come from energy and determination. When the walnut shell is cracked open, we are rewarded with the nutritious nuts inside. A reminder that during life's challenges, our perseverance and pursuit of growth are met with rewards. Spiritually, the walnut shell is said to represent us being able to protect ourselves whilst we gather the strength to develop, to break free of the past through coming out of our shell. In times of adversity, work with the energy of the walnut, especially if you require support in making important decisions. The nut connects to hidden strength or riches within us to yet be found. Tap into what they may be to make the necessary changes within your life. The walnut's theme of discernment and wisdom with the nut representative of the human brain is a reminder to focus on emotional and spiritual development over power or financial gain. The walnut has long been used to symbolise the importance of wisdom and discernment throughout many religious traditions across the centuries. In Christianity, discernment is valued as a means to develop awareness and understanding prior to taking action. It is said that the Native American tribes believed the walnut to symbolise clarity and focus. So looking at folk medicine relating to the walnut, in the first century AD, a text called The Doctrine of Signatures was created. Within it, a Greek physician hypothesized that the gods shaped plants to resemble parts of the body they could heal. The Doctrine of Signatures became a collection of the observations of physicians, historians and traditional healers. Within the text, it was deduced that walnuts were excellent brain foods. The nut meat, I hate that word, the nut meat is wrinkled and exists in two hemispheres, just like the brain whilst being encased in a hard protective shell, just like the skull. Another use for the walnut within this text was to cure madness. A 15th century cure to prevent madness and protection from evil spirits was Upon midsummer night, betwixt midnight and the rising of the sun, gather the fairest green leaves of the walnut tree, and upon the same day between sunrise and its going down, distill thereof a water in a still between two basins. And this water is good if drunken for the same malady. A Pennsylvania Dutch folk remedy was to treat warts by rubbing them with a green walnut before burying the walnut under the house's eaves. 
A 12th century manuscript documented how walnuts placed amongst poisonous herbs could destroy poison. Ashes of walnut would be placed in red wine as a cure for baldness, but was also thought to turn the hair a fair colour. The juice of an unripened walnut would be mixed alongside honey, onion and salt in an old recipe to treat mad dog or venomous bites. The astringent leaves of the walnut tree were somehow used historically to treat earache. Native Americans were said to use the black walnut tree for multiple medicinal uses through use of the bark, leaves, husks and nuts. They utilised it as a mosquito repellent, laxative, cure for diarrhoea, an anthelminthic, which is an anti-parasitic drug, and they used it to treat skin diseases. Black walnut has also been used in various different forms, such as to relieve fever, kidney ailments, gastrointestinal issues, ulcers, toothache, syphilis, and even snake bite. The walnut is considered one of the best foods for brain health and longevity. It's packed full of omega-free fatty acids, protein, fiber, antioxidants, and vitamin E. It's anti-inflammatory, anti-parasitic, anti-aging, promotes brain function, controls blood pressure, and is said to improve male fertility. So the walnut's magical uses Use walnuts or walnut wood and bark within your rituals and spell work related to life transitions, initiation rituals, weather magic and manifesting. Ideal to use walnuts in spells for money and prosperity. You could keep a bowl of walnuts upon your altar to radiate the power of Jupiter and to bring forth new opportunities along with wealth. And of course, use walnuts within fertility, love, marriage, spells and rituals. Walnut wood holds a lot of resistance to decay. It can, however, be tricky to find lying around. Should you find some, it can be great to use for a wand or stave. And is said to be ideal for a witch who wishes to cultivate patience and strength. You could use it in ancestor work to call ancestors home when the veil is thinning in the darker seasons of the year. You might want to use this wand again for spells and rituals relating to weather magic, abundance, insight, healing, focus, wealth, creativity, also motivation. Walnut wood has also been used to create spirit boards and runes. The walnut tree has many funerary associations. You could use the leaves in smoke cleansing or incense mix when the veil is thin during the darker seasons or any time you wish to connect with ancestors. So ideal to be using at the moment. And of course, you know, even running up to like Yule in and around Yule is just a time when the veil is really thin. So again, it might be something that you wish to currently work with. Use also within rituals when you wish to connect with the world tree or use walnut as an ingredient for deity or ancestor offerings. 
You could create a dream pillow using dried walnut leaves for they are said to enhance dreams and sleep. The walnut tree is known for its connection with dream time. Ink from walnut husks has been used by artists such as Rembrandt and Leonardo da Vinci. You might wish to look into how you can obtain walnut ink for perhaps writing petitions, sigils, writing your grimoire to harness the walnut's magical energy. So here is a spell to bring forth that which you desire, which you may wish to have a go at. Take a walnut and crack it open, break the nuts meat in half and place one half back into the walnut shell. On a small piece of paper, very tiny, write out that which you desire as a positive statement, as if it has already come to pass. For example, using words such as I have or I am and whatever that desire is. Fold the paper and tuck it into the walnut shell. Close the walnut shell and you could use a glue gun or wax to seal the walnut together again. You could bury the walnut to grow your intention or alternatively you could keep it on you on your person. Take the remaining half of the nut meat and of course, providing you don't have a nut allergy or anything, eat it and take in your wishes power along with the powerful energy of the walnut. Allow your wish to become one with you. I love the idea of using the walnut and resealing it because you could put all manner of things in there. You know, it could just be a lovely little like talisman. Just think it's a really sweet idea. It could be used for many different things. So a wonderful book that I referred to in making this episode, especially in regards to the Walnut Magical Association's folklore and so on, is Under the Witching Tree by Corinne Boyer, which I have used as the title for this episode. And this is a little quote from her book. Many thanks to these fragrant trees of both ill omen and protection. For the brave, they provide nourishment and the power to dream true. Their shadow not a curse, but a blessing of secret gatherings, which is bound to the tree's spirit in memory and in flesh. And from the same book, Under the Witching Tree, I have a poem that I thought I would read out. This is called The Black Earth Medicines of Autumn. Walker of caves, black wool, and obsidian glass ornaments, wearer of midnight fur and raven's feather cloak, the ancient beings among us. Dangle with the claws of crow, the wings of bats, the charred bones, and jarred seeds, poppy datura, the fruit of dark elderberry wine, fixed offerings lost in a deep pool. Black soil carries the breath of the dark moon, her age old. Medicines are upon my altar. They are beneath my foundation. Stones are cursed and blessed with night. Black butterflies and owl talons. In dreams, the cauldron of water and dark poison leaves. This is my becoming, I see. 
and I am born from this place where the moths live and feed in the shadows of rotting leaves, the darkness of the womb, it holds me and forms me. It is my long lost sanctuary. Gifts from the lady hooded and cloaked, the fruits of the blackberry, my wine, the hearts of the blackbird, my food, the darkened Indian pipe, my familiar, the silvery coal, my amulet, the shroud that will carry me into the starless night, brings medicine of the serpent, my ancestor, who resides in the dark watery crypts and creates from sleepless darkness alone. I know that's a bit of a random poem to drop on you, but it felt like the time of year. It certainly feels like the veil is thinning. Really excited for Samhain. On that note, I do want to let you know that on the 26th of October from 7.30pm, we have the Witches Institute Samhain Gathering on Zoom, where we will be discussing our Samhain plans together and sharing ghost stories. We are also happy to discuss any stories of the Fae, cryptids, UFOs, anything supernatural. So do come on and join us. If you would like to join the Witches Institute, click on the link within the show notes. It's just £6 per month. You will have access to our witchy monthly gatherings, access to our witchy book club if you wish to read along with us for the month. Our book for October is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches, written by Sangu Mandana, a very autumnal book. We also have a monthly Patreon podcast episode, meditations, grimoire pages for episodes of the White Witch podcast, a folklore retelling, hedge witch studies looking at either a plant, tree, crystal or power animal. And on top of that, you have access to our very active, friendly witchy community on Discord. And you can, of course, cancel at any time at the click of a button. Thank you for joining me today and as ever for listening to the show. I appreciate all of your support. Sending you lots and lots of witchy love. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.